As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter 1. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy-to-read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. You are listening to the C.S. Lewis Podcast with Professor Alistair McGrath, brought to you by Premier. I'm Ruth Jackson, and over this second series, Alistair and I will be looking at some of the key themes and ideas in Lewis's seminal book, Mere Christianity. You can find out more about this series, as well as C.S. Lewis and Professor Alistair McGrath, by heading to cslewispodcast.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. On today's episode, we will be looking at what Lewis says about the Trinity in mere Christianity. You are listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with Alistair McGrath. Now, Alistair, we've talked about all sorts of things uh, from mere Christianity so far, but we're going to be talking a little bit about what Lewis thought of the Trinity. So we've obviously got a whole podcast to talk about that. But would you just summarise some of the key points that Lewis makes about the Trinity in mere Christianity? Yes, I'm very pleased to, because I think for many people listening to this podcast, this is a problem area. Uh, And um, Lewis is trying to help us to see a number of things. One of them is this. Actually, most Christians intuitively believe in the Trinity without actually realising it. And he's trying to help us to see the doctrine of the Trinity, if you like, is a a formalisation of something that we already know to be true. But the second thing he says, which is, I think, again, very interesting, is that there's a problem about the limits placed on our ability to understand. If you like, one of the reasons we have difficulty in dealing with thinking about a majestic, a glorious God is that actually our minds just aren't big enough to take this in fully. So we have to very often use ways of thinking, ways of speaking, which are actually not really as good as they could be, but nevertheless are the best that we can do. And so those are the themes that Lewis begins to explore in mere Christianity, and we can focus on some examples he gives, which I think are really helpful. Mere Christianity, in so many ways, is very popular level as a book. And then he sort of seems to go sideways and delve into this deep theology. And in some ways, it feels slightly incongruous to the rest of the book, which is slightly more popular level. Why does he do this? Why does he spend time talking specifically about the Trinity, which in many ways is quite a complicated theological concept? My guess is because he feels his audience um, have problems here. And I think he himself had problems here and found a way of dealing with them. He wants to share them with the audience. But you're quite right. It's almost as if the, the Trinity is parachuted in. You know, It doesn't really seem to fit very well. But it's very important, and actually it is a very interesting account of the Trinity, and therefore well worth looking at. 
We're going to look at some of his models and the way that he understands the Trinity shortly. But why does he think that theology is important even for a layperson? I think one of the things that Lewis is really um, helping us to see is that we all need to grow in our faith. And we've already talked quite a lot about the importance of Christian behavior, that in effect, you know, we have to practice, you know, like a tennis player. Um, and, and sure, we miss balls every now and then, but, you know, we are improving overall. So Lewis is saying it's about going deeper in our morality, but also in our thinking. If you like, it's about Christ's command, which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And with all our strength. And Lewis is saying, actually, we need to think about our faith more than we do. That if you like, there's a discipleship of the mind, which we need to think about. And perhaps thinking about the doctrine of the Trinity or indeed theology in general is a way of doing this. Now, I want to emphasize no one is saying every Christian ought to become a theologian. What Lewis is saying is that it helps to think about our faith, partly because it's good for us, but also because, well, our friends may ask us questions about our faith. And the more we've thought about it, the better the answers we are going to give will be. He talks about theology as a map. What does he mean by that? He's trying to say that a map is, if you like, a two-dimensional depiction of a three-dimensional landscape. And that means that um, it's useful. You, know, you want to find your way around, but there's no way that the map is adequate or <clears throat> is to be identified with the landscape. And the, maps, the paper, the landscape is this brilliant thing. So you can see immediately that Lewis is saying there's God and there's theology. Theology is like the paper. God is the reality of the landscape, but it helps to have a sketch map of what to look for. So in many ways, what Lewis is saying that it can be really helpful to have a map because it tells you how to get around. It also tells you what's, what to look out for. I think that's a very important aspect of theology. It helps us to identify what's there in the Christian faith and, if you like, invites us to begin a journey of discovery and find out more about these. Now, many people for centuries, lots of theologians, lots of lay people have come up with various analogies to describe the complicated nature of the Trinity. How does C.S. Lewis do this? Well, you're right. Lots of people have come up with analogies. And indeed, Lewis and I are both Irish. So um, you know, St. <laughs> Patrick and the Shamrock comes to mind. That's not a very good analogy, by the way. Um, but I think what Lewis, is, what Lewis is really dealing with here, I think, is that... Um, if I can put it very, very simply, um, we feel the Trinity can't be right. How can three be one? It, I mean, it just sounds like terribly bad mathematics. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, and indeed, when I was an atheist myself, I mean, if, if uh, you were to ask me to name something that I thought was completely mad about Christianity, then that would have been it. You know, why on earth do you believe in this stuff? But Lewis, I think, brings home to us that it's not that simple, that when you are dealing with something really rich and really complex, you have to represent it using multiple ways of approaching, multiple perspectives, if you like. I think that's a really important point, that actually the danger is we reduce something amazing to something very simple. And there's a very famous story here about um, Augustine, who we know that uh, Lewis liked very much. And, and Lewis, unfortunately, doesn't talk about this story, but I'm going to tell you now because it'll help you make sense of Lewis. And Augustine was writing a book on the Trinity, which um, has clearly informed Lewis at one or two points. And he was walking along the Mediterranean shoreline one day when, according to the story, he met a little boy who was busy taking a um, bucket and pouring water into a hole in the ground. And Augustine said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm emptying the Mediterranean Sea into this hole in the ground. 
Augustine said, you know, you're wasting your time. Never get that ocean in there. To which the boy is meant to have replied, well, you're wasting your time writing a book about God because you'll never get God into a book. And okay, I mean, there's some, there's some doubts about how, how reliable this story may be, but you can see the point. How on earth can human language, human thought ever adequately depict God? And that's a point that Lewis really wants us to appreciate, that actually we have to use Doctrine of the Trinity because if we don't, we lose something really important about God. It brings together God as creator, God as redeemer, God as sustainer. It, in effect, weaves together the biblical insights about God into a coherent whole. And sure, it may be difficult for us to understand, but what really matters is holding on to this rich vision of God. And one of the things that I'll tell you as a theologian is this, that if you look at the history of Christian thought, um, you have two options. One of them is you say, I'm going to have a really simple idea of God. Then you find it doesn't match up with the Christian Bible. Or you say, I'm going to do justice to the way God actually is. And it's deep and difficult to understand. And Lewis is saying, we've got to do justice to God. And that means getting used to the idea that this is complex. And earlier we were talking about Lewis on made-up religions. He made the point that a made-up religion is simple because that's what people would like it to be like. But we can't be simple in this case because God is simply so rich. And Lewis is saying, let's hold on to the richness of God and find ways of capturing that richness so we never lose sight of it. So clearly the doctrine of the Trinity was really important for C.S. Lewis because of what it said about God. But what did it say about God in Lewis's view? The doctrine what, of the Trinity? What's said about God is that um, God engages with us at multiple levels. Now, the, the, the take home analogy that Lewis uses is someone saying their prayers. And what I want you to notice is just how simple this analogy is. Um, many of his listeners in the original broadcast, many of his readers in the case of mere Christianity would be able to relate to this very, very easily. And what Lewis is saying is, look, when you, when you pray, you're praying to God. And yet you're very conscious that you're kind of way channeling those prayers through Christ. And you're being helped to pray by the Holy Spirit. And Lewis is saying, look, do you, do you see that? Where every time you pray, you are enacting the doctrine of the Trinity. It, it's there in the way you behave. And one of the points that I think Lewis brings out here is that very often um, Christians already have a good sense of this idea of a rich vision of God, which is formalized in the doctrine of the Trinity. I think that's the point Lewis wants us to take away. Actually, in the way in which we pray and worship we already know all about the Trinity. The Doctrine of the Trinity is simply a formalization of what we instinctively know from reading the Bible and the life of prayer and worship. It also suggests, doesn't it, that God is a God who loves. It certainly does suggest that, because if you think about what love involves, you know, it's about, in effect, um, uh, think about the whole idea of redemption. It's about God loving us sending Christ to demonstrate that love and bring us home to him, and then enabling us to love God fully by giving us the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So if you like, um, the whole idea of us coming to love God, if you like, is a, a story of the Trinity in action. So you can easily see how Lewis develops that point. 
Lewis talks as well, doesn't he, about the Trinity showing us that we have a personal God and that actually Christianity in many ways is the only religion that gives you that option of a personal God. Lewis is very, very clear that um, Christianity is not a belief in an abstract idea um, and that um, believing in, in a, a God who is a person, who engages with us in history, when you begin to unpack everything that that entails, you end up with the doctrine of the Trinity. But Lewis is saying, actually, look, look, you need to know the Trinity is there and it makes sense. But actually, it's God as a person that really is the key thing to take away from that. Lewis talks about us being taken up into the life of the Trinity. Again, that's almost as complicated as the idea of the Trinity itself. What does he mean by that? Well, it's it's a very powerful phrase, and um, he doesn't really unpack it quite as much as we'd like. Um, but I think probably Christians would, would know exactly what he does mean. And <coughs> he's really talking about worship, I think, where, you know, you feel you're overwhelmed by something. I always think of um, Isaiah chapter six here. You know, it's Isaiah capturing a vision of God in the temple. He's completely overwhelmed by it, you know. And then he hears God saying, who shall I send? And he says, well, send me, because he's so enraptured so caught up in this vision of god he wants to do something for god and i think that's really important because for lewis um the doctrine of trinity captures that vision of a glorious god which is essential to christian worship and of course also in terms of empowering evangelism and mission C.S. Lewis uses a really interesting analogy of the flatlands. Would you explain just a little bit about what that is and what that says about God? Well, this is a really interesting analogy that Lewis used. Um, he, he, he was aware of a book written in the 19th century called Flatlanders, which is basically about how on earth can we, who are used to living in a three-dimensional world, picture ourselves in a two-dimensional world? And it's all about how um, it's, it's really impossible for us to actually be able to express a three-dimensional world in two-dimensional terms. And, and Lewis had read this book clearly. And what he's saying is, look, um, if you think about the difficulties that a person living in a two-dimensional world would have in representing a complex three-dimensional world, you begin to realize that actually those are exactly the same difficulties we face in trying to represent the Trinity. It's about our difficulty in being able to bring God inside our mental frameworks. Our mental frameworks are designed for this world, and we're trying to represent and understand God. And what Lewis is really saying is that our difficulties in thinking about the Trinity are due to our inability to think outside our own way of thinking if you like in other words we're trapped in a particular way of thinking and trinity is saying is look don't lose sight of the glory of god because you can't break free of this way of thinking and i think lewis is simply saying that it is difficult we all know that but there's something really important being expressed by this doctrine don't let go of it and that's why uh, he also uses a very interesting analogy which is that of the dance he uses this here in mere christianity also in perilandra um, and what he's trying to do is to get us to imagine people dancing it's all about patterns it's all about movements all about beauty and he's saying that helps us to capture something about the nature of god god's dynamic god is ordered 
God is wonderful. And Lewis sees the image of a dance as capturing that. And all of this really goes to show something really important, which is Lewis is saying that the doctrine of the Trinity is articulating the fact God is wonderful. God is brilliant. God is unfortunately beyond human telling. But we've got to talk about God. And the doctrine of the Trinity, if you like, gives us a framework that helps us to do that without leaving out anything that's important. So as you say there, the Trinity points to a personal God, a dynamic God, in many ways an incomprehensible God. Um, But what does that look like from an outsider's perspective? Uh, As you said, the Trinity was one of the reasons why you thought Christianity didn't make sense. But is there a sense in which actually if we sort of get this depiction right, it might be a way of drawing non-Christians into Christianity? I think that's, that's a very interesting point. I think that many people outside the Christian faith have an idea of God as, as I did actually, um, a distant being in heaven. Whereas, of course, I live in space and time, so God can't be relevant to me because I'm in a different world to him. One of the points that Lewis makes very, very clearly is that God is able to enter into our world of space and time and encounter us in personal form. And what the doctrine of the Trinity does is to say, that's the way God is. Don't think of God in abstract, rational terms. Think of God as we see God in Scripture, in the Christian tradition, and begin to realize we are dealing with a God who is able and willing to enter into our history to transform us. And if you like, what Lewis is saying is that's the idea of God that lies at the heart of the Christian proclamation, not a distant, impersonal God, but someone who can be known, who can be loved, and who in the end journeys with us through life as our shepherd, who is with us always, whether we go through good times or walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So what impact does the doctrine of the Trinity have on ordinary lay people? I think most ordinary lay people would say um, it has very little impact on me. That's for theologians. I I understand exactly how they would think. I'm not criticizing them in any way. What I'm going to say is this. Christianity is very, very simple. It's all about, you know, Christ has saved me. I have hope to be in heaven. That's wonderful. When you start unpacking that, you begin to realize that implicitly you believe in the Trinity. It's like an iceberg. Think of an iceberg, 11% above the water, 89% below. We see the simple bit of Christianity, which is great. It's about worship, it's about prayer, all those things. But beneath the surface, there's something deeper and richer. The doctrine of the Trinity is, if you like, implicit in the very simple view of the Christian faith that many of us have. So how do you think we hold those two things together, the simplicity of the Christian faith, which Lewis articulates all the way through the book, but also this very difficult thing to grasp, not just the Trinity, but many other doctrines that are really difficult. How do we hold the two together and how would Lewis have done that? I think we simply need to say that um, I can think of my faith in very simple ways and I can speak of my faith in very simple ways. The danger is I make my faith simplistic. In other words, by failing to recognize its depth and its complexity. And what you need to say to yourself is, I can express my faith in very simple terms. God loves me. I matter to God. Um, I have hope. These are very simple and very true affirmations. But they rest on a deep, stable structure. And sometimes it's helpful just to appreciate 
what that structure actually is. And in many ways, what the doctrine of Trinity does is to lay out that deep structure on which these wonderfully simple and rich affirmations are ultimately based. Do you think there's a way that we should articulate God when we're praying, when we're worshipping, that recognises him as a triune God? That's really interesting because I have to say, when I pray, I don't use Trinitarian language. I don't pray to the Trinity, although I do implicitly. I very often pray to God or sometimes pray to Christ, sometimes to the Spirit, depending on what I'm praying for. But I think the, the key point to make here is that um, in thinking about God and Christ and the Spirit, I'm not talking about three different divinities, if you like. Uh, that's a key point. They're all God. Uh, it's, it's, all, it's really saying, I pray to God, even if I find it helpful, at times to pray to the Father, at times to Christ, especially when I'm going through suffering or something like that, and at times to the Spirit when I need empowerment. So I think very often you'll find Christians have a rich way of referring to God in their prayer lives. And the Doctrine of Trinity, if you like, holds these all together. I feel like we've just scratched the surface of a huge topic. So if we wanted to find out a little bit more about what Lewis thought, um, not just of the Trinity, but of these more sort of deep theological ideas, what are some of the places that we could go to to find out a little bit more? Well, we could go to um, uh, his autobiography. Um, surprised by joy because there Lewis does talk a bit about this but interestingly in his letters he talks quite a lot about the Trinity and the difference that this made to him so that's somewhere we might think of going as well but I think that um, Lewis does not talk quite as much about the Trinity as as some theologians would like if I can put it like that (laughs) I think that's probably because Lewis is very much trying to articulate mere Christianity in other words uh, a Christianity that everyone can understand and his key point is simply it's simple you can grasp this but when you start to go deeper the Trinity is really important. Alistair thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with Professor Alistair McGrath brought to you by Premier. I'm Ruth Jackson and over this second series, Alistair and I will be looking at some of the key themes and ideas in Lewis's seminal book, Mere Christianity. You can find out more about this series, as well as C.S. Lewis and Professor Alistair McGrath, by heading to cslewispodcast.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. Next week, we will be looking at what Lewis says about living in hope in mere Christianity.